Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome back to True Romance. This is part duh, part two for those who aren't bilingual, including me, I'm not bilingual of our Bianca Brady episode. We're so glad that you joined us again. These are some of our favorite episodes we've ever recorded and one of the best conversations I've ever had. Before we jump into the second mind-blowing segment, we just wanted to cover some headlines. First and foremost, you guys. No, you're going to say the wrong first and foremost. What do you think is the first and foremost? I think the first and foremost is Merry Christmas Eve. Merry Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve is actually the best day of the whole entire year because Christmas Day is the best day, but also it goes by so fast and then you're so sad and you're like, ah, it's over, it's over. So Christmas Eve is better because you're anticipating it and you eat so much food and so much pie and then you have Christmas the next day. You, you're right. I wasn't going to lead with that. I was going to lead with Allison Mack files for divorce from Battlestar Galactica's Nikki Klein. And when we say Battlestar Galactica's Nikki Klein, we really mean Nixiums, Nikki Klein. Nixium. Well, I'm sorry, I wasn't in the cult. <laughs> this is what I'm. I'm sure Allison Mack is so grateful that uh, Evermore came out just weeks before her divorce, so she can listen to "There Was Happiness After You." But there was happiness because of you, too. Both of these things can be true. There's happiness. We know that Allison Mack is somewhere playing that acoustic guitar, crying along to Evermore. In a penitentiary. Texting someone how many calories she's had that day. And asking her master if she can actually listen to it on shuffle. And then her master is like, no, you have to listen all the way through because it actually tells the story of a folk tale. And if you shuffle it, you'll get the story out of order. So you actually have to listen to it in order. And she's like, okay, well, 
I guess that's my cross to bear. You know, Taylor Swift writes a lot about how she's, you know, evermore is about walking further into the woods. But, you know, the third installment of folklore evermore is a barn in Albany. Nick's I am. (laughs) Nick's I am. Okay. Why are you so bad at saying it, first of all? But second of all, I always think of Will I am because you said it that one time. I don't know why she thinks this. She's like, may I have some green eggs and ham, Keith, next I am? Please don't bring Dr. Seuss into this. He has nothing to do with it. He never wanted to be a part of it. He, a narrative he'd never asked to be a part of. And you know what? He never asked to be a part of Kylie Jenner making her makeup line, Kylie X the Grinch, which was uh, brought to my attention by Tess Sitzman. And it's just upsetting. We don't want to see Kylie X the Grinch. I don't want to see Kylie X anything. But I was thinking about how Kylie used to be cool because I was on Tumblr reading theories about um, <laughs> hashtag Kaler late into the night. And um, we all know what Kaler is, I hope. I Carly don't have to explain that. It's and Taylor Swift conspiracies. Yeah. Um, and I was like, oh, my God, wait, remember when when Kylie like was like a Tumblr girl and she was like breaking off from the mold of the Kardashians and like doing cool stuff on Tumblr? And she had blue teal like highlights in her hair. Well, those were the days. But now she's surgically implanting permanently face the features of another race onto her body and then appropriating that race, but not ever having to deal with the inherent struggles of that race in our racist system. Anyway, I mean, the massive wealth is what does it for me. It's pretty frustrating. I think it damages her brain. None of them can inherently be good people if they're not giving $20 million to charity every year. Like, if they're giving any less than that, they are bad people. Because you have $20 million to spare every year and you're not, like, doing what Oprah Winfrey does, like, building schools in underdeveloped nations, then fuck you. Kylie bought a $31 million house and a $3 million car as a part of, like, her 20 cars. And then she took it down because people just kept on commenting that people were starving. Many of us will never even get to do anything, quote, as a part of our 20 cars. So <laughs> that is something we have. That is our cross exactly. Anyone? Yeah. I wanted to talk briefly about FKA Twigs and how she came out because she was in an abusive relationship with Shia LaBeouf and yes. the allegations are obviously true. I was texting with Devin about this. I get really upset when I read these articles and and women come out um, against famous men because I know that they're not going to be believed. And I always want to ask, like, why would a woman do this? What does this bring her? I mean, you have now this narrative attached to you that you've never wanted attached to you and everyone is going to see you connected with this headline for the rest of your life and if you know people are always talking about like men's lives being ruined but that's yet to be seen men's lives aren't ruined by these allegations they actually the brock turners of the world are fine you know they end up on the supreme court so I guess what I'm just saying is that 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 was so, so horrifying. And I I feel for her and for anyone who's reading about that and has gone through anything like that. 
I'm embarrassed to have said so often that I was attracted to Shia LaBeouf. And, and that may sound stupid. And we obviously don't get political on this podcast. But I guess what I mean is that it wasn't a surprise. One of our friends said she was like, this isn't very surprising. And it's not. He's been very clear about being an unbalanced kind of, you know, his whole brand has been that he's crazy and that, you know, you're going to get this raw performance from this crazy person. And I think that's what's made people attracted to him, too. I was already seeing it on Twitter. People, you know, responding to posts about his abuse by saying, like, well, we all have to actually be sympathetic to him, too, because he has PTSD and he's been very open about that. And what I was telling Devin was like, I have PTSD. I'm sorry. I do. And I'm an alcoholic. And those two things are true about me. And I've just never physically assaulted anyone. I have so many friends that have been through really life-altering and traumatizing things such as you, Carolina, and it really has dissipated my empathy for men who use these thing as, things as excuses because it's just like there is no excuse. Like these, I know people who've been through that and they didn't kill someone. They didn't abuse someone. They didn't buy a gun. Yeah. They weren't, they didn't become racist. It's like how people would dismiss the Dylan roofs of the world. John Stewart was still at the daily show when he went after this, where he was like, why are we calling this mental illness? This is not mental illness. This helps people stigmatize mental illness. This is racism. Like, yeah, I know plenty of people who are mentally ill who do not have an instinct to do this. Well, it's also like I think a lot of it is internalized misogyny that I when I was reading the FKA Twigs article in the New York Times, it made me realize the extent of my own internalized misogyny because I remember that story that came out about Shia um, screaming at a different Mia girlfriend Goth, yeah. and saying, he, yeah, that he wished he killed her or he was going to kill right. her or something. And I did read that story and then I guess I just forgot about it. And then I watched Honey Boy and I was like, he's had this amazing comeback and this is like so inspiring and whatever. And it's it's sad that I so easily forgot that. And then, you know, kind of I think our society tends to like venerate and my mom and I have talked about this a lot, like venerate male celebrities with mental illness as like heroes who have overcome wow, yeah. something and then like exile women with mental illness from the industry such as Britney Spears, Amanda Bynes, many others and just like they are crazy, they're trash, we don't need them whereas men are out here dating 19-year-olds which to me like if you're over 24 and you're dating a 19-year-old that is sick to me. Like I think you are pedophilic. I think you have pedophilic urges. I I am not embarrassed to say that. That is really sick to me. Men who've been accused of violence and we just normalize that and put them in movies and give them right. Oscars and give them whatever, like that is a really broken part of our society and I hope that that changes. I totally agree. And I think I, it's funny, we didn't talk about this before, but I had the exact same thought process where when our friend Sally said, yeah, this isn't surprising, my mind went back to, you know, that time I'd read that headline about how Shia LaBeouf had been basically physically separated from his wife who he was screaming at and then told the person, like, I'm glad you did that because I thought I was going to kill her. And it also just speaks to how much we've normalized that dialogue around women. Do you know what I mean? And, like, yeah, as 
as people, as a society, we've excused people. So as individuals, we excuse people. And I've definitely looked back on just behavior that I was around in high school and stuff that guys would tell me that their friends were okay. So I would trust them that their friends were okay. Mm-hmm. And looking back, you just see things differently as you get older and as you learn to trust your own narrative. <laughs> but yeah, I also loved what what FKA Twigs said which was like i just wanted to come out about this because i want to show that this can happen to anyone because i do think there's still this dialogue of like wait why would you stay why would you be in a relationship like this and she talks about how he like showered her with gifts and attention in the beginning and i think a lot of abusive people are capable of being really charming not all of them but i'm i think like narcissists and certain types of manipulative people are really charming and i don't think that it is for anyone outside of any relationship to judge what's going on inside of it. But like once you let someone in, it's really hard not to believe what they say about you. Like once you let someone in that you trust them and you're like telling this person things you've never told people before, maybe, or like just getting closer to this person than you do most people. Then when they say you're a piece of shit, it's hard not to believe that because it's like, oh, I'm actually letting you see what I think is all of me. So if you, if that's your reaction, then it's really hard for me to say that's not true. So like, I think it's easy from the outside to be like, I would never let that happen. But when you're in it, it's almost impossible. And then, you know, I think she really goes into a lot of detail in the piece about how hard it it was to actually leave that relationship. I think also we, you know, as, as individuals, we do the same thing as society does, where when you're in a toxic situation, sometimes you excuse that person's behavior for what they've gone through, you know, and and being in love with someone like that and being in a relationship with someone like that, you do see that they're complicated. Um, and without even knowing it or not, you can excuse, um, those like incidents initially because you see that, you know, you're in a relationship with a fucked up person. But, um, no, I just, I was texting Devin the day the story broke and I was really angry and I really want to like get on the pod immediately and rant about it. And um, because I was like, my voice needs to be heard. Just kidding. It really doesn't. What was so frustrating about it was that as a society, we require so much from women to believe them. FK Twigs couldn't just release a statement saying like this person was abusive and that's it. And I don't want to talk about it anymore. She would have to go into so much detail because there's just a reluctance to believe women. And at the same time, his trauma is going to be brought up first, right? No one is saying like, oh my God, there is, she is going, this is, this trauma is going to follow her for the rest of her life. You know, there are support groups for women that women are in for the rest of their lives from one relationship, from one five-year relationship. And so- Right. And, and, you know, I, I read a lot about trauma and I was in, uh, I have PTSD from an accident and just, there have been studies that prove that a relationship trauma and trauma from when you're a child is so much worse than that. So I can't even imagine, but what I do want to say is recovery from PTSD is extremely hard, extremely expensive and exhausting. So I'm glad she's suing him. I hope she gets just taken care of through this. And I hope that we as a society evolve so we can, you know, so this doesn't have to be a long conversation, basically. 
I think it's really interesting that we we worry about men in these situations. It's crazy. Anyway, I will no longer be talking about Shia LaBeouf. I just dedicate the song Exile to him. He doesn't even deserve that. Okay. Sorry for that downer. I obviously had something I want to get off my chest. And let's get back to our amazing interview with Bianca Brady. We are so excited to hear more about what's going on with her right now and then to hear her truly stunning and shocking breakup story. So we're going to take a quick commercial break and then we'll be right back with our interview with Bianca Brady. I want true Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia and Yellow, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back with True Romance. We're joined today by Bianca Brady. One thing I wanted to ask is some of my insecurities in terms of dating were that what I had to deal with was going to be too much for guys to handle. So, and it's still sort of something that blocks me from thinking about dating. I mean, I I just sort of automatically think like, oh, you can't handle my scars. Um, You can't handle, you know, dealing with all this. You can't handle like, 
the next cast that I'm going to have to be into. And, you know, I'm not fun. I'm not fun. You know, I remember seeing my, my friend started dating this girl right after I had gone through my thing. And she was like 20 and like super like, yeah, I'm down for anything. And super healthy and gorgeous. And I was sitting there like, again like half my the side of my hair was like still missing and I was just like I um, can't go swimming because I can't you know get my like stitches wet and I just looked at her with so much envy so that happened to me today when I was getting some takeout from a neighborhood restaurant there was this just like beautiful glamorous pointy plain gal drinking like you know when people like get a macchiato as if it's like a real coffee yeah and you're like that's two ounces of liquid like I don't know what you're doing but she was so cute she had like a beautiful like French haircut vibe and her skin was beautiful and then she just like lit a cigarette and sort of like went on her merry way and I was like man must be nice (laughs) Yeah. Must be nice to just be doing hot girl smoking stuff, you know? Right. To just be like saying, I don't care that I am poisoning my body because there's no other poison currently in it. So how do you think, like, I imagine you're like me, very jaded about the future of your love life. But what do you think are your, your, like, trust in future relationships based on what you're going through my main feeling around it is just fear that i won't be equipped to enjoy it and that i'll be constantly sort of zooming out which i think i have a tendency to do anyways but like zooming out and judging the situation and 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 looking at things with a critical eye, like finding the finding the reasons why not always. And once my therapist even told me I was telling her about like a date I went on and complaining about the guy like being a pussy or something. (laughs) I don't know, just like being a huge jerk. Like, and then he asked me, like, how my day was. Like, what a fucking bitch, right? And she's like, Bianca, you are like a shark and there's blood in the water. And if if a guy, like, ever even shows an ounce of sort of, like, nervousness or, um, you know, like, he's, 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 if any man is nervous around me, I react with pure hatred. I'm like, why are you fucking scared of me? I'm not scary. Yeah. And then in having that reaction, I become terrifying. But I don't think I have patience or generosity when it comes to romantic endeavors. I, I And I really, I haven't for so many years. I'm so curious what's going to happen in the future. But I am a little bit hopeful because as I get older, potentially the men that I'm going to be meeting or consorting with will perhaps be older too and will have lived experience 
Yes. And so I won't feel so ancient and wizened like an old crone. And maybe I'll feel like I'm on equal footing with somebody who has also gone through stuff in their lives instead of like, you know, a guy who went to college and then went on a skateboard and then did a job at Spotify. Yeah. Yeah. And did a vlog or whatever. I don't think they even call them that. Yeah. (laughs) I really uh, feel the same. And I, I haven't heard it put that way, but that definitely puts a lot of my feelings into words in terms of I'm hopeful. I also think I know what I want more than I ever had, more than I ever had before in terms of I need someone who can understand, sympathize, work with my energy levels and needs, give me space and time to process them. Uh, And I think that the more specific idea, unless it's blocking you from certain guys, like you obviously have to give people a chance. But I also just think that knowing what I want instead of like, if you're into me, great. Right. (laughs) Really helps. And uh, yeah, I, I do need someone who can... Not that they have to go through the same thing I went. I wouldn't wish that for anyone, but someone who can relate to me somewhat or at least try to. And I think that's something that I struggled with was that a lot of people just with how they acted, I could tell like, oh, you don't understand. And no one can fully. I understand that. It was an individual experience, but I had friends who like called me a month after it happened being like, yo, I heard this thing happen. That sucks, dude. I'm really sorry. And it just felt like, wait, I don't understand why this wasn't something. It's something that you think qualifies as like a text. (laughs) No offense. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just so not in that mode. And I don't yeah. know how I'll ever get back there. Yeah, me neither. Or at least, yeah, I'm hopeful that I will. But I, I guess it's not a part of my life that I'm like, I fantasize about the future a little bit, but it's not a part of my life right now that I don't, I have room for really, if I'm being completely honest with myself. Yeah, I don't know where, I mean, I have going to have to be in isolation for six months. So that's, oh, wow. that's like not a great recipe for dating. At, at I, home or? Yeah. I live with my mom and I can't see anyone else but her. So I'm dating my mom is really <laughs> what I'm trying to say. She's my husband and it's a great marriage. <laughs> Probably better than most. No. But a um, lot of the people in my support group are married or have partners. And I think that that's like a different set of challenges. You know, it doesn't, it's not necessarily the goal because I think right. they express having a lot of guilt or confusion, especially if their diagnoses are terminal, you know, and they're young people with young partners you know said a whole other set of challenges so it's not it's I guess it's a grass is always greener but at this point I'm like fine with my grass yeah yeah I know what you mean I guess that's something most people whether they've gone through anything serious or not get confused by which is 
if I only had someone, it would be so much simpler. My life would be so much easier. I think it would be way more complicated for me. I think it adds another layer to your life that needs to be figured out sometimes. I have another question that I feel like it sounds very vague, and I'm sorry if you feel like you've already said it, but how do you think your outlook on life has changed in general? I think I am a little bit more like smell a rose kind of thing, you know, like don't sweat the small stuff and gratitude. I mean, it sounds like a big bowl of bullshit. Like no. you're like, oh, I'm walking through a frigging TJ Maxx Home Goods and just reading all the little things on those little wooden signs that you could put in your <laughs> house or gather. Yeah. yeah. So, but at the same time, when you actually do sort of look death in the eye, and I'm sure you can relate to this, you're kind of just like, nah, I don't know. It's probably fine. You know, like, or a perceived slight or, you know, stuff with ego has gotten a little easier. I feel like I'm less kind of bothered by how I'm perceived in general or less protective of sort of any kind of like a reputation because so much of how people, I mean, every aspect of how people perceive you is out of your control. Yeah. And that is something I think you learn with getting older, but also with any major life upheaval. You sort of relinquish control. And I've found that I've been able to stay in the moment more easily and like, you know, be like really looking at my friend and being like, I love you so much, you yeah. know, or like eating a cheeseburger and being like, cheeseburgers, guys, like, can you believe we're allowed <laughs> to have them and they're here for us, you know, and seeming like a huge bonehead. But I, I was lucky enough to spend the the summer at Martha's Vineyard. And so every day when I was done with work, I would go to the beach and just like be staring at the ocean and be doing like Nancy Myers movie, picking up a stone and sort of feeling the weight of it, you know, and it's it's nice to have that time with yourself, you know, yeah. it's nice to become like really good friends with yourself because you're going through something and 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 learning to be kinder to yourself, learning to be gentler with yourself, especially when you feel kind of divorced from your body because your body is sort of a battleground of, of some kind or like uh, the doctors are, you know, poking at it constantly and it's changing due to being on certain medications and you don't you you kind of have to cut yourself some slack and yeah. it's nice to have that lightness accompanying such a heavy thing for me. I feel grateful that I can have that perspective um, and that I 
have allowed myself to live with a sort of generosity toward myself and others, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that that doesn't sound cheesy at all. I think that, um, I do want it on a wooden sign. (laughs) It's long, but I'll take it. No, I, um, I think my priorities changed a lot in terms of what I valued and, Like I quit smoking because I was sort of, it was so confusing to me all of a sudden. I also didn't have them for three weeks, which, you know, kind of makes you less interested. But I remember thinking like, wait, but that hurts me, right? And I'm trying not to be hurt, right? Yeah. (laughs) But it's really funny because once I had a rare, great doctor's appointment, usually they left me in tears and just, I was distraught afterwards. And, And once I met a doctor I really liked who, you know, seemed confident that he could help me. And so I, I sort of cried out of gratitude when I got home and was just, I made some post on my Instagram that was like so grateful for Cedar Sinai and, you know, just full of gratitude right now. And then about a couple hours later, the Wi-Fi in my house wasn't working. And I was like, hey, guys, what the fuck? The Wi-Fi is not working. I can't live like this. OK, Aww. <laughs> like hashtag gratitude, hashtag grateful. And I also think that I've become the love stuff got a little easier. I went through a heartbreak a couple of years later and it just it wasn't as painful as actual physical pain you right. know or or the grief of physical disability and so i was just like eh it sucks and yeah. that makes me really sad but i am walking you know <laughs> i just yeah the uh, that gratitude made things that would have I mean I was just imagining it last week I was like oh my gosh if I hadn't gone through what I went through and then went through a breakup I would be destroyed by the heartbreak of it all and yeah I was like no I've actually been through worse unfortunately like if I was a hat I'd be a life is good visor wow I forgot about life is good tm I don't know what that is good t-shirt life is good visor you know Life is Good is like a brand and they have like these little cartoons. There's probably definitely a flagship in Martha's Vineyard because I know that I've been to all those Massachusetts islands and there's always like a Life is Good store. And you're like, oh, they have a store for these odd cartooned hats. Oh, they have a store for Frisbees that say Life is Good with a stick figure on it. Oh, Um, I simply cannot be trusted in a Southern tourist shop. I remember it was raining and my boyfriend at the time was smoking and we were in Savannah, Georgia. And he was like, will you run in and grab us umbrellas? I ran in and I left having spent $60 on umbrellas, a shirt that said, y'all ain't right. And a shirt that said, who said diamonds are a girl's best friend and a picture of a dog. Which is, which is the, I've seen that shirt and it's the actual best shirt I've ever seen in my life. I know. It's so funny. Devin, literally everyone else was like, that shirt is a lot. And Devin was the only person who was like, oh, where'd you get that shirt? <laughs> Do you mind if I segue off Carolina talking about her breakup? Segue to- onto your girl. Onto your girl. Segway because off a cliff. Because, I mean, it's hard to segue. Like, I want to give so much space to this discussion because I truly like when you said you were open to talking about your health problems I was just so excited for our listeners because I really do think like this never gets talked about and I really do think it will help so many people and sorry to interrupt but thank you so much for letting me talk about mine I'm not trying to compare the two um, and I know they're so different but thank you uh, for sharing about it it's so rare co-empathizing i love it 
it's so rare for me to meet someone who I'm like, I think we can talk and I think I can relate um, in some ways, even though salad girl who said, damn, that sucks, gave me a lot of inspiration <laughs> and hope. Um, it was really helpful to listen to you. Yeah, I think it will help so many people and also help people who haven't been through medical trauma and just want to support their friends who are going through it. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back with more true romance. I want true romance. Hacks is back for season three and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Stadsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Jean Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back with True Romance. I guess I would have to say that it was only a matter of time once you and I met Bianca that I would find out your breakup story. I think like maybe Tess or Nora had alluded to it, like foreshadowed it and said like Bianca had the worst break of all time or like, you know, you think that's bad. Bianca had the craziest breakup. And I was like, what is this like saga? I cannot wait to strap in, not to like listen to your pain, but just because I was like, this sounds like a crazy 
breakup story. And to date, it is the thing that I now think about when friends will say, like, I was ghosted after four dates and like, oh, and I'm just like, well, do you want me to put it in perspective or do you want me not to? Because I could. Yeah. That wasn't really a question. It was more just me <laughs> explaining how I felt about it. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think my life has been marked by like accidental drama, you know? Right. Because I don't feel, and maybe I'm, maybe I'm, I am, and I'm totally in denial, but I don't feel like I'm one of those people who are like, you know, oh God, so much drama in my life. And like, what am I, I'm just sitting and not doing anything. And and meanwhile, they're like creating chaos. Having been one of those people, you are not that. Yeah, I'm not that. I'm like the literal one who's like, I don't know what the fuck I like. How did I trigger right. this malarkey? Yes. No malarkey. Yeah. Hashtag no malarkey. So, yeah, this was my my big breakup from I think it was probably like six years ago now. It feels like another lifetime. But I mean, I'll tell you the I'll tell you the abridged version and then you can ask for specifics Great. as needed. So I was very close friends with I was in college, I was living in Brooklyn, and our neighbors were these guys who were also for, all from Massachusetts around our age. We became friends. We were friends for a few years. Cut to, I end up moving into one of their bedrooms when a, when a roommate moves out and all my roommates move out. I become like inseparable from one of the roommates. We have a long friendship of like codependent friendship where we are not physical at all but we spend all of our time together and sleep in the same bed, like one of those. Right. And then we finally are like, oh my God, I'm in love with you. I'm in love with you too. Like, let's make out. Great. We move in together. We're, you know, we're in a little one in a junior two bedroom, you know, in Ooh. Brooklyn, just like okay. cutting it up, you know, for home furnishings. You look at this, look at this. Do you like these blinds? Whatever. The We're in our 20s. We're you know what I mean? Do you like these blinds type of yeah. lifestyle? <laughs> yeah. That montage. Yeah. Like let's order sushi. You know that it's easy. It's fun. <laughs> We're friends. Right. And, you know, just totally intertwined, totally codependent, totally. I'm taking care of most things you know, willingly and being like, I, I wonder what I like to do. Huh. I don't remember. Right. Am I? <laughs> yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. What am I into? Oh, I'm into helping him with right, his right. bullshit. So then cut to he's working really hard, doing a lot of, you know, I've built him up. Oh, you're confident now. You could do anything. Fly yes. free, young eagle. Like you're so, your feathers are so Gorgeous. good and strong. Your plumage is impeccable. Yeah, the plumage on this guy. Gorgeous. <laughs> it was Big Bird. I'll just say it. <laughs> no. We hate to out him, and this will be a big news story. Not to name names, but like it was name. Jim Henson's Big Bird. So, JHBB, okay. So he 
and I are living together. He's sort of becoming more distant. I'm not sure what's going on. I keep saying, like, is everything okay? And he has the type of job where it would be, it was it was production for commercials. So it wouldn't be weird for him to be on a shoot that was like overnight or whatever, you know, and be working super hard for like weeks at a time and then sleeping for a week, whatever. Um, anyways, he comes home one day and he says, uh, I'm addicted to cocaine. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not laughing. Because it's it's I understand of course drug addiction. It's pretty funny, though, to just say that to someone. It is hilarious as a prank, but when you're being serious, it's tough. I'm addicted to cocaine. I have been for a long time in secret from you, so I'm gonna go to rehab right now. Uh, let me pack a bag. Wow! So he packs up a little knapsack. <laughs> of an outfit or something and ostensibly goes to rehab smash cut two. i am working a shift at a restaurant waiting tables a friend of mine texts me a screenshot of an instagram so you know it's on and it's him like in a very nicely tailored suit holding a cocktail with his arm around a girl with, you know, extremely overplucked eyebrows. <laughs> you know, Pretty wedding good. hashtag, like, Chris loves Jane or, you no, know, something. No. This wasn't his wedding, though, right? No, but he was definitely a guest at a wedding rather well, than a patient in a rehab inpatient rehab facility it's just like i can't help even i've heard this story before but i still can't help just like cannot not shake my head because i'm just like it's how insane. no how wait it's I have never a happened even on a single reality show i've ever seen that has never happened that's how crazy it is and that's crazy because devin watches every tlc and bravo tv show i i watch love after lockdown and i've never seen that well, love after lockup, but love after lockdown is my next show. Oh, okay. I have a question. How did someone find this Instagram post? What wh whose Instagram was it on? I think it was hers, the girls, and he was tagged in it. Got it. Because okay. I was like, oh, he's you know he's go he's in rehab, and we're probably breaking up. Like I don't know what's going on. She sends me this thing like, uh, P.S. I don't know what kind of rehab has. <laughs> A, a bar and a wedding ceremony. Serves old-fashioned. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I also had a follow-up question, was, which was, um, were there signs prior that you were, like, did it make sense when he said, I'm addicted to cocaine, or were you like, wait, I've never seen you sneak into a bathroom, I've never noticed weird behavior? No, it made sense. It totally made sense. I was like, okay, because I had been asking, you know, why are you distant? Yeah. 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 What's going on? Like, just tell me, you know. Right. But also a, another detail about me is that I don't drink at all or do right. any drugs and I never have. Right. So I think a part of it was like he was not. I mean, this is my years later generous opinion. Uh, looking back was like he was very ashamed and 
right. his like sober, nice girlfriend. He was treating really poorly and he was living in his in his secret lie zone, which I understand being trapped in, in a secret lie zone. We've mm-hmm. all been there. We've all been to the SLZ. Yeah. So after I see that picture, I kind of snapped and I was like, oh, okay, so it's not, you're not in trouble to the point where you're like struggling. Str- you're like just lying. Right. Um, so I got in touch with him because he had gotten my car towed and he had gotten $900 worth of parking tickets. Wait, what, when did you find out he had gotten your car towed? Like all in this same day (laughs) as the Instagram picture. Yeah. I'm going to rehab. I go to work. I see Instagram picture. Oh, the, the wedding was the same day as I'm going to rehab. Within a couple days, yeah. Maybe wow. the next okay. day, yeah. So he's he's like, yeah, we, your car is in the Pier 76 tow pound. Um, wow. I'll meet you there, but we need a notarized letter from your mother, who is like the registration holder, and $400 in cash or, you know. Oh, so like in a in some term and then and then he's like oh and the car wasn't starting so, <laughs> I him i hate him i, I meet him. him in this tow pound he literally has a can like one of those red things of gasoline and that's not something that you see in new york city ever that's not something you see outside of like a disaster movie ever like i've seen that in like i zombie or whatever I mean, I've never watched iZombie, but like, I assume they have gas tanks because they're like, we're never going to get to the normal gas station again because there's half dead people roaming around. They're going to eat our necks. So we have to like just get this gas tank. That's where I've seen a gas tank. Okay. So he's like still pretending to be in rehab at this point, but he can meet me at the tow pound. He just took a little day trip to Pier 76. He has the gas tank. He has to like hide it behind a van because you can't just like walk into a municipal building with an open container of gasoline. I don't think, I don't know. Probably not likely. We get the car and it's clear that he had sort of been like living in it slash out of it for a long time. It's just like filled with all his trash. Wow. Your mom's car. It was my car, but the insurance, it was like registered to her. So we needed a notarized letter. Anyway. I hate him. I hate him. I hate him. I'm hate him. My auntie Carla is a notary. So it was actually quite good. So we get out of there. The gasoline is in the trunk. His stuff is, he threw out a bunch of like garbage. And he's like, okay, pull over here and let me out. And and I'm going to walk over to where I live, which is a rehab. And I was like, okay, like, do you want to talk again to like anything? Anyway, that was the last time I ever saw him or spoke oh, to him. Wow. And he left uh, his entire home of possessions and never came and got them. And then, like, two years later, his brother came and picked some stuff up, which was really weird. But So, wait, so you call and text and he just never responds again? 
I think he sent me an email and he was like, oh, I'm going to come this day to pick up my stuff. And did not say because we have broken up. No. Wow. And he was like, he kept changing the time and he was like, oh, I'll just come when you're not home. And I was like, fuck no. Like, I'm going to be here. I don't trust you, actually. And then he just never showed up. He was supposed to show up all day and he never did. So I never saw him again. This is so annoying. And just a little bit of a coda on the story. About six months later, I found out he was engaged to that woman. No. To the wedding with. No. And about six months after that, they were married. And I think that they still are. And they're living like very close by, you know? That was my next question was like, so does he have social media? Because I had one friend who was ghosted by this guy after they were dating for a long time, but he still had social media. So she could see that he was like looking at her stories and stuff. He blocked me and he blocked everyone that we were mutually friends with. Wow. Yeah. Except for one person who he forgot about. And she was the one who told me that he was engaged. She was a soldier fighting for you and getting you the information that you needed. I have a question. Did he have any defense when you saw him that day? I think I was still being nice. I mean, again, it was so long ago and I was so I was such like a shell of who I am now. I truly had given willingly all of my life force to him, you know, for like four or five years. I had just been trying to like make it work and make and thinking that it was because of something I was doing that wasn't working out. So do you have any residual anger? At this point, no. Yeah. Yeah, So what was the process after the fact? Because clearly you could not get in contact with this person. You had zero answer. Like I know people who have gone through a breakup where like the person has told them, you know, it's just not working for me anymore. I don't want to be with you anymore. And those people feel like they didn't get enough closure. But you just never even got told whether or not the relationship was ending. Never heard from the person again. Didn't know if they were dead or alive. So how did you get to closure from there? Because that is like such a stunning feat. Yeah, I mean, I think it took, it just took time. And, but most of all, I had a real mental shift, you know? Well, first, so first after I went into a dissociative state and I, three weeks later, started dating someone else who I was definitely not compatible with on any level, but was very attracted to. And he and I dated I guess for like six months or something. And then when he ended that, he ended that with me. Cause I was like, I want to be your girlfriend. Like I want to be a girlfriend. I am right. a girlfriend. And just let me do, let's let me live my truth, which is girlfriend. Right. Let's get back into the situation because that's what I know. Yeah. And he was like, and thank God he was like, no, I don't think so. Literally, we had nothing in common. I mean, we could <laughs> barely have a conversation. God bless him. He was a real nice guy, though. And once that 
breaking up happened, I went into a full-blown spiral. So it was right. like a an actual, I think it's kind of a common thing to have. I mean, people have rebounds all the time, but what you don't hear about is the double breakup right. rejection hole that happens after the rebound when you're feeling like, I don't know who I am and mm-hmm. I have no context for what my life is. <laughs> so, <laughs> and you, in my experience in those situations too, when there's like repeated crazy guys or crazy breakups, you're like, so what's going on with me? That's, yeah. This is happening. Like I, and I like project all of their insanity onto myself. Yeah. I mean, I don't know why. So, so basically since that, the only other time I've like really been in love has been with a person who was very disordered, who totally like stole my soul and broke my heart. Yeah. Um, But I've never had anything really Anything that I've had that was healthy was not compelling enough to me to even be worth mentioning. So I'm still trying to figure out how to have like that type of passion without all the dysfunction. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know how to do it, but my, I'm so much more aware of it now. And at that point in my life, when he left, you know, he just like lit a match and left me in the dust I was so unaware of how dependent I had been on these types of relationships I had always had a boyfriend since I was 13 years old and then after that I basically haven't had one since so I guess it's still it's just I don't know I I don't know how to do the do it the right way because every time I do it it's like very crazy well I have two things to say one of which is something Devin talks about a lot which I love which is basically like I confuse dysfunction sometimes for passion Mm -hmm. where I'm like okay this is there's so many ups and downs and this person's so messed up and I'm trying to help him because I love him so much and all this stuff when really it's just like this guy's unwell and I am not, <laughs> I'm not a professional. I'm inequipped to help him with uh, his uh, d- disorders. I also think that I took a really long break from dating, which you seem to be in right now before I was in my last relationship. And it was the best of times. and It was the worst of times. Like I was extremely lonely um, for some for, you know, I was single for, three years I want to say even more but anyway I was extremely lonely and yet so many things started to make sense to me in terms of like I want to be with someone who's nice and it's easy for them to be nice to me it's easy for them to show up for me uh and I ended up getting all those things in my last relationship I mean we you know our relationship ended because it had to but I guess what I'm trying to say is like, it sounds like it's a good thing right now. 
that oh yeah it's a great thing everyone i've ever broken up with i've looked back on and been and said thank goodness yes. that didn't work out thank goodness i'm not with that person that would have been bad <laughs> yeah. and especially this guy who i've been talking about he i mean i don't even really think about it anymore and it it really i had to i had to learn to be alone and learn to be friends with myself and learn not to you know only think of myself only see myself when someone else's light was shining on me you know yeah. that was the real thing and so maybe i did overcorrect and maybe now i can't like but you know, we'll fi I'll figure it out. I think. I think you will yeah. too. I relate so much to what you were saying about being like, no, no, no. I'm a girlfriend, and I want to be that. So, like, just let me be that because that is how I feel or how I felt when I was dating. Because I was like, I think I've pretty much learned that I am a better person when I'm in a relationship, and I because I have like this insecure codependent attachment style. I'm like, I, that's just what I need to be the best me like I need to be and I learned so like I was never in a relationship when I was really young but like for all of my early 20s I was in relationships and then when I met you when I was living in Brooklyn like that was the first time I had ever been not in a relationship in like basically adulthood and I remember my therapist saying like this is really good for you like you really need to be alone for some time and I was like absolutely not like I do not want to be alone for a second I do not want to be like I don't want to find myself I don't want to be alone with myself like I want someone to be there to tell me I'm worth something every single day that's what I want that's what I'll find whatever um but the truth is like I grew so much more I mean it was only like a year before then I got into another like dysfunctional relationship but I learned so much more like not even just emotional stuff just like life stuff where I was like oh my car broke down and I have to deal with it okay or like <laughs> like I you know have to figure out how to be okay with myself without someone telling me that and I learned that like I use other people's drama to escape my own life like I would so much rather talk about your stuff so like I ended up in another relationship where this person like had so much for me to focus on where I was like okay we're gonna fix this we're gonna do something about this and like today is gonna be the day that I convince you today's gonna be the day that I convince you and meanwhile I was not looking at my own stuff at all like I was not and so it was anytime I've been through a breakup there's like a space where I'm like wait what do I think about now I'm so used to like fixing someone's right drama like what do I even spend all this time doing like uh hobbies and then I <laughs> started like writing and like doing stuff that ended up being productive but there's so much more space to love someone in a healthy relationship because you're not just constantly like okay today's crisis is this today's learning experience for you about how you should live your life is this <laughs> today's like whatever yeah well, I had so many other questions, but well, I'll just have to come back some other time. Yeah, we would love to have you back. And I just have to say that you I already feel like we're friends and you have one of the most enjoyable demeanors to talk to. And 
something that Devin said to me, which I loved and was really helpful after um, my breakup was that she was like, you don't have to be hopeful right now. And I will hold that hope for you. So talking to you, I like see how lovable and amazing you are. And um, you're around plain and oh, sorry, around weird. So whenever you don't want to feel hopeful, just know that I'm holding that for you. Thank you. I've just, I I mean, I've just loved this conversation so much. Me too. And I've gotten so much out of it. Same. No, but it's true. I'm joking. No, but I'm actually just kidding. And y'all are punked. (laughs) Not to all that. And I didn't record this on purpose. (laughs) No, but I also want to say, yeah, the truth is like, it's so hard for me when other people tell me that they like, I remember Nora and Tess like being like really you're gonna like give your Friday night to like this piece of sounds like piece of shit guy that you don't like and I was like it's not a given that I like people that I hook up with like I sorry why are you assuming that (laughs) why are you assuming I would like someone that I spend time with no but like I remember friends just being like you deserve better and I could never believe it for myself but objectively when I've seen you go through heartbreak Bianca I'm just like wait these fucking pieces of shit don't see what a gem they've been like bestowed with then they are actually sick in the head no they actually are and they actually are i'm <laughs> no, sorry they literally are, i'm sorry they literally are i didn't mean that okay i meant um then they are they are deeply confused um i um, know they need a lot of wooden signs god bless yeah. their sweet little souls their small <laughs> little souls so they're big uh, friggin birds i wish them all the best I can kind of actually truly say that now. Yeah. Yes. I'm rooting for them. Alanis Morissette. Thank you, India. You know, yes. that's yeah. Thank you, silence. <laughs> it's like it used to be Jagged Little Pill, but now it's right. that. And mm-hmm. it's wow. and just having her as a model has been so helpful as a model of like how to be a woman. I used to think that like, Taylor Swift was overrated. I I mean, God forbid, I felt bad for Kanye once upon a time with for those circumstances. Now, wow. obviously, with the full tape released, my narrative has changed okay, and I would good, no longer like good, her to be a part good. of that narrative. Okay, good. Um, and the run for president, let's not even get started. But that long-winded rant is for me to say that I now see that she is doing an act of service, which with each album she has released and that she's been trying to speak to me this whole time. And if I would only listen. Yeah. I mean, she's been speaking to me and look how great I'm doing. (laughs) You really are. It's so nice to see you. I know. It's so nice to see you, too. That was one of the sad things of moving out of that apartment. I was like, I'm not going to come home to Bianca in my living room anymore. (laughs) Yeah, again, that's my friendship style showing up in your house. (laughs) I wish for all of our listeners, they open the door one day and see Bianca on their couch. And they say, who's this round weird? And I I wish for that myself also. Could it be? (laughs) Well, yeah. So I'll hopefully see all your listeners again when I'm back in the pod podosphere. So look yes. out for my shit. I can't wait to meet you in person. It's going to be so fun. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. Ugh.
Catch us next time on True Romance. Thank you, Bianca. Devin, Bianca, I love you. Okay, whoa. Love you guys. Whoa. I've never uh, joined a guest saying I love you, but this is the one. This is the day. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.